Well, this morning, uh, as Pam had mentioned, we are beginning the first sermon in a series on 21 Days to Childlike Prayer. Um, We would love for you to pick up the book after the service if you have not already done so. Uh, There are exercises and disciplines that you'll be learning throughout the course of the week from Sunday to Sunday. Uh, You don't have to, but you will find this study far more enriching if you are participating in that study throughout the course of the week as well. Uh, But this morning, we are going to look at the kind of the two core things that I feel like are really important for us to get started with this study. And it's this vision of God as our Father and what that means for our prayer life. I believe that if we as a church can really grasp and get a hold of this idea of childlike prayer, calling upon the name of the Lord, not only will we see transformation in our own personal lives, we will see transformation in the life of of our congregation as well. So to frame this and to have us thinking about it, I would invite you to stand with me as we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 21, as we see Paul talking about his own prayer life on behalf of the church in Ephesus. That's what God's Word says. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated, and let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we again approach you and ask that you would meet with us, your people, today. Lord, we ask that you and your kindness would drive out the distractions Lord, the burdens that we are bearing, Lord, this morning that would keep us distracted, Lord, and that you would meet with us, that your spirit would have holy sway this morning in our midst. Lord, do what only you can do. We ask this in Jesus' matchless name. The name is above every name. Amen. So there's two things in this passage that, well, there's a lot more than two things. But given that we're focusing on the study of 21 Days of Childlike Prayer, there's two things I want us to look at regarding this idea of cultivating a childlike prayer life in light of what this passage says. And so the first thing that I want us to see, and you can even take this as a command from Paul's letter, is to approach God as Father in our prayers. To approach God as Father in our prayers. Now, where does this come from the text? It comes from the very first verse where Paul says what? For this very reason, I kneel where? Before the Father. 
I don't know if you grew up in a tradition. I didn't. Um, some of you maybe did. I, I grew up in a, what you would call kind of a low church tradition, a low evangelical tradition where we didn't do a whole lot with um, creeds and confessions and liturgy, although we had a liturgy and we knew that we had a liturgy because if we did anything out of order in the service, someone would let us know that we did that wrong. But some people grew up in church traditions where at every service they would recite the Apostles' Creed. Anybody grew up in a tradition where you, yeah, there you go. So uh, this language of I kneel before the Father reminds me of the first line and the Apostles' Creed. And the Apostles' Creed is basically a summary of what the Apostles believed, and it became a rule of faith for the church to help discern what are the books that belong in the Bible, what are the core doctrines, what is the difference between someone that professes to follow Jesus and someone that doesn't. And the very first line says, I believe, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And this is a this is a statement that I think maybe we've heard before and we, 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 we fail to recognize the significance of it because here within that creed, it could have started with, I believe in God, the creator of heaven and earth. It could have began, I believe in God, almighty father. But it began, father almighty. It prioritizes a vision of God that draws upon his fatherhood before talking about his power. And that's significant for us, because fatherhood, as one theologian states, it, it, it denotes love, care, nurture, interest and inclination, protection. And so when we think about approaching God as father, we're approaching someone who is inclined to hear us, who loves us, who desires for us to approach him. Now, the good thing about what the creed says and about what the rest of Scripture says regarding God is that it's good that he's Father Almighty because it's not enough just to be Father. You need power. And it's not enough just to be powerful. You need the nurture and the love, and the care. And so as it combines this idea of Father Almighty, it gives us a vision of a God that we can approach who loves us and cares for us. And as we bring our needs to him, we have a Father who is able to actually answer and meet those needs. That's good news, right? You don't want a Father that you can just bring needs to that can't do anything with them. And you don't want someone that's powerful but that doesn't ever want to hear from you. And so it's significant that we recognize that when Paul is mentioning, I kneel before the Father, he's coming to someone who has a fatherly care and concern for the church in Ephesus and for Paul as he's praying. This is important for shaping the way that we think about prayer. It's also the way that Jesus taught us to pray, is it not? He said, when you pray, how does you pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Earth is in heaven. So even Jesus encourages us to pray, acknowledging and approaching God as our Father. Now here's the reality. Not everyone that's here, that's watching this, has had a good father. Right? Right? Some of us have had outstanding fathers. 
Some of us have had terrible fathers. Some of us have fathers that are not around at all. Fathers we don't even know. And so what can happen, right, is we hear this language of praying to a father, to God as father, and then we cannot help but have these thoughts of a father in our head, and then when we come to him, we start to think, is God as father like the fathers that I have known? And that's what's so encouraging about God's word and how it reveals and it encourages and it corrects our misunderstandings about who God is. Our God is a good father who cares for his children. He is a good father that invites us to pray to him. He does not shush us out of the room if he's on a call or when he's busy. He's not belligerent. He is not distant or uninterested. He loves and he cares for us as his children. He's not abusive. He is full of grace and mercy. That's one of the things that Paul describes him as. As Paul prays to the Father, I kneel before the Father. One of the things he's going to remind the Ephesians of is that he is a father who is wealthy. Wealthy with what? Mercy and grace and patience. He's long-suffering. And he actually wants us to approach him and to pray to him and to make our request known. He wants us to know the greatness of his love that surpasses understanding. And he welcomes us to pray. So one of the things, if we are going to grow in childlike prayer, is we must take on this vision of God that's communicated in Scripture that reminds us God is our Father, and He's unlike all the other fathers in the world. Even the best fathers don't compare to our Heavenly Father. So we approach God as Father in prayer. That's the first thing that this passage highlights for us. But what's the second? Not only should we approach God as Father in our prayer, the second thing is that we should honor God as Father in prayer. What does that mean? What does it mean to honor God as Father in prayer? This comes from verses 20 through 21. I believe that to honor God in prayer means that we should pray with an understanding of who he is and what he's capable of. Who he is and what he is capable of. And that we should pray accordingly. Now, I'm, I'm going to air out a little bit of my dirty laundry this morning. I don't expect you to do this. But I, I want you to, let me give you an example of how it's possible to dishonor God at times with our prayer. I, 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 will, I will use myself as an example. I would love to tell you that what I know of God, who he is and what he's capable of, often translates into prayers that are worthy of him. But there are many times where I kind of hedge my bets 
in my prayers. I go, oh man, that's a big ask. I don't know if I, I can't really ask him that. Now, listen, obviously, there's certain things that we ought not ask him because they're contrary to his nature. Like, you don't wake up one morning and go, Lord, I'm going to rob a bank today, and I'd really like to not be caught. That's, he's not going to answer that prayer, okay? Now, he doesn't answer all those types of prayers, right? It's inconsistent with his nature. But there are times when I have a vision of what he could do, and yet I'm like, uh, that's a really big ask. I'm, gonna, I'm, going to, I'm going to shoot far below what I think he could do because I, I don't want to be disappointed or I just don't really know. I have, I have a vision of him that doesn't really conform to who he is and what he's capable of. Let me see if I can give you a few examples of what I mean by that. Imagine that your father is a billionaire and you need $5 for something. Okay? And so... You go, I really need this $5. Why would you not ask your billionaire father for $5? It's like it's nothing, nothing for him, right? There's all kinds of reasons why we might not ask him. One would just be the pride of saying, I'm a self-made person. I don't need anybody in my life. That affects our prayers, right? We don't want to be viewed as weak or in need. It may be that we think that he's unwilling, he's not generous. Or it may be that we think that he's not able, he's incapable. You see how having a skewed view of who he is and what he's capable of impacts the types of things that we might bring to him in prayer? And if that's the case, then what we end up doing is kind of bringing things to him in prayer that we kind of feel like are already gonna work out anyways. Or we bring, him, we bring to him things in prayer that are not recognizing who he is and what he's capable of. And so when Paul, in verses 21, or 20 through 21, says, do you not get an idea of the God, the Father that we're praying to? He's not stingy. He's not incapable. He's not weak. But if we view God as unwilling, we won't ask him for anything. If we view him as weak, we won't bring him our prayer request. We won't dare in our prayers to have him prove himself in his faithfulness, as Malachi says. Yet he is our father. And Paul tells us that our father can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Which one New Testament scholar says would better be translated as infinitely more than. Listen to this. There is no limit to what God can do. It is impossible to ask for too much since the Father's giving exceeds our capacity for even asking or even imagining. That's what honoring God in prayer would look like if we saw him for who he is and we recognize there's nothing in keeping with his character that I could ask him that he is incapable of not only 
doing, but exceeding. How would that change the way that we pray as children to our Father if we recognize He is powerful, He is generous, and He loves to hear the prayers of His children, and He welcomes me. I have blood-bought access to the God of the universe. But how often do we carry around burdens that we don't think He can carry? When we carry around the burdens that we won't offload on him in prayer, we are dishonoring his strength. That's what I mean by honoring him in prayer. If I were to have another analogy, it would be like having the strongest person in the universe in your house while you're packing up to move. And here they are. I mean, they've got the shirt on. I am the strong, I just won the strongman contest, okay? I don't know who it is currently. He's there at your house, sitting there, and you are struggling so hard, you can't lift it, and he's right there. How do you, how do you honor the strong man? By showing off your strength? Or by saying, hey, could you, could you lift this for me? And so what do they do? They, they oh, of course. And then they lift it. And you've honored them with, with their gifts, but what we tend to want to do is, is well, I mean, I, I don't want to bother him. But he's there, an ever-present help in trouble, in a time of need. So we approach God as Father in prayer, and we honor him in prayer by asking him, do what only you can do in your greatness, Take this burden, take this need, take this request, Lord, and do more than I can even ask, think, or imagine with it. As I mentioned at the beginning of this message, we're beginning this study on 21 days to childlike prayer. And as you pick up the book, if you don't already have it, you're going to notice that the first seven days of this week, well, there's only seven days in this week, the first seven days of the study gives four principles for prayer. And really what we've done this morning is we've looked at two of those principles, hopefully as a catalyst that stirs your heart to want to grow in prayer this week. But the four principles are believe God is able, embrace your childlike identity, which are the two that we've looked at today. God is able and he is our father. The other two or specify your prayer request. Make your request known to the Lord. And then trust that God will do what's best. We will review these last two a little bit next week as we come back. But I think that the ones that are hardest are the ones we've looked at today. I think that we can move to specifying our prayer request and move to trusting God once we recognize who he is and who we are in his inclination, in his kindness toward us. God is our Father if we've put our hope and trust in Christ, and he invites us to worship and call upon his name. I want to invite you into that journey over the next 21 days to see God as our Father, honor him as Father as we pray. I don't know what those prayer requests may be, They may seem small to you, or they may seem small to others, but very big to you. 
There's no such thing as an insignificant prayer. When I was talking about honoring God with prayer, I wasn't saying that there are certain things you shouldn't ask him because that's dishonoring. It's our disposition to his ability to answer that's dishonoring. It's not the request that we make. It's how we view him, how we regard him. So I want you to begin to be thinking, what are the things that I'm carrying around that I'm burdened by, that my family members are burdened by, that I can't carry any longer, and I'm going to honor him by bringing them to him and recognizing he is able. And let's just see what God does. Let's see what he does in your life. Let's see what he does in the life of Copperfield Church and in our community. If we would see him for the father that he is, recognizing his ability, and we are his children. Amen? Let's pray as our worship team makes their way to the front. Father, we bless you and we thank you for your great mercy toward us. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to see you as our Father, Lord, and that we would pray in a way that honors you as such. Lord, we want to pray as children, calling upon your name. We need your strength. Lord, would you meet with us? We ask this in Jesus' matchless name. As you reflect on the message this week, feel free to reach out to our staff by emailing care at copperfieldchurch.com. We would love to hear from you and pray for you. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and our other podcast, Equip for Good. Thanks for listening.